we want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs, 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82 Designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, we divide the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Now part of the All Everything Entertainment Podcasting Network. Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right. Here we go. Coming down. Three, two. Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, mate, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Guys, I want to take a second to tell you about All Everything Entertainment. They are your home for the latest breaking news and opinions about sports, wrestling, and entertainment. From jock to geek and everyone in between, they will definitely have something for you. As I'm recording this, they have 10 live weekly podcasts that can be watched daily on Facebook, YouTube, or alleverythingentertainment.com. The replays are available on their Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, or iTunes channels. Their shows run the gamut as they talk about the NFL, NBA, NHL, Football, movies, bi-weekly top 10 countdowns, paranormal activity, wrestling, WWE, AEW, NJPW, UFC, Bellator, and so much more. These guys, they're just like you. They're passionate individuals who love a variety of subjects. And that's why they started this company in May of 2019 to kind of be a one-stop shop for entertainment. On September 11th, 2020, they made arguably their biggest signing by agreeing to terms with yours truly, the Working Fans Podcast. I was out of work sick, and I was happy to join them as a part of their team. You can find them on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube by searching All Everything Entertainment 
or go to alleverythingentertainment.com for their full schedule and a full list of their shows. If you like us, you will 100% like them. Thank you. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast. I'm the man they call Dave, and we got AJ Strange Brew in the house. And today, we're going to hit two topics I want to talk about. First one, AJ, union and pro wrestling. Andrew Yang talked about that he wants to see a union in the WWE, particularly. Is this good? Is this bad? Now, can the union only go to the WWE, or is it going to be a union in pro wrestling? Can we force smaller independent companies to do this that probably can't afford it? Would it have to be companies like AEW and WWE? Like, how does this work? What do you think? I don't think... Okay, first of all, I don't think pro wrestling should unionize. Okay. I think that companies in pro wrestling should offer benefits and should offer packages similar to other employers that do the same thing. Right. I do feel like there should be health insurance and benefits covered. I don't think it's right that they're considered independent contractors. That is 100% bullshit when you're signed to a contract exclusively. Right. If you sign on to do a movie and you work in Hollywood, even though when that movie's done, you are no longer employed by them, you are covered by the Screen Actors Guild. The Screen Actors Guild makes sure that you get benefits and stuff like that. So maybe perhaps they should do a guild for wrestling. I'm just not a believer in the union for wrestling because it is owned by different companies and because it's broken up the way that it is. I don't necessarily think that it would be fair in the interest of people who join the union because unions have a tendency of going with the people who are more valuable to them. Mm. <clears throat> so like if, the, so if they have union workers for one company, say it's a large company, they have union workers for that, they're going to be much more likely to fight for those workers' rights than they are for the smaller branch. Okay. So now, like, I guess my question would be, like, obviously smaller companies like Northeast Wrestle and Beyond, like, they, they can't do a union there. Like, they're going to be, but they're independents you would, anyway. You would, you would shut down small independent wrestling R- if all wrestlers were in a union. Right. Those So they would be strictly independent still, you'd have to believe. Like, those, and they are anyway. They, they're able to work for other companies. I and guess. The thing, the thing about a union wage is that it's also a set wage to usually depending upon longevity of doing something. So by setting up a union wage inside of pro wrestling, you would make it so a wrestler who has been wrestling for 10 years, even though maybe they haven't drawn a dime, Mm. would be just as valuable as the wrestler who's drawn the entire house but has been working for four years. Right. might make more money. But I guess what I'm wondering is like, okay, so smaller companies, you know, you probably couldn't enforce that on them anyway. They stick as independents and they are independents. You go from into, you know, company to company. AEW, WWE are exclusive. My my worry would be about the companies like right in the middle. Impact, Ring of Honor, and right, MLW, right. All of those companies with larger TV, they would have to either change their contracts and either have people completely independent or maybe signed a short-term contract could be a thing, too. I don't know. So I mean, it would make the world interesting because you would also basically make it that if you weren't signing them to these union contracts, that these wrestlers would be able to travel wherever they wanted at any time. Right. So, so you would make it so that they wouldn't be exclusive. I, uh, basically, 
basically somebody who could afford to pay more and cover the union scale would have a right to cherry pick whatever talent they want. Which is where we're at now. I mean, if you don't sign some, if sign to an exclusive contract, you can go wherever you want. My thing is, is they need health benefits. Right. My question is, uh, another question I have to is, like, I talked to Joe about it, and he said he felt like this would probably, like, probably, like, cripple WWE, and I thought, man, I think WWE is probably one of the companies that can, like, can afford this. WWE and AEW. I'd be more worried about the little guys. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to cripple the WWE. I think yeah. people are looking at it the wrong way. WWE could easily afford to put right. everybody under employees and be able to afford uh, health insurance and stuff of that nature. That's not the problem. Right. The the, the problem is, is what, like I said, when you unionize, believe it or not, it, it, it's going to hurt the people who are working there monetarily-wise. Now, like they will get the health benefits that they're looking for, that and that will be great. But it could end up affecting because they'll come. Basically, what will happen is the union will negotiate what is a fair price for the worker who's been there for ten years. What's a fair wage for the worker who's been there for nine years? What's a fair wage for? It might also eliminate the stuff like getting your TV, your T-shirt, and merchandise and stuff of that nature. Mm. It might get rid of all of that and just make it down to a union wage. Interesting, interesting. Well, we don't know, right? The only other thing, too, is like I heard Andrew Lang on an interview talk about he thought AEW was doing a much better job. He was happy with how their company's running. And we're obviously, we love AEW here. But, like, you couldn't do a union that just affected only WWE, could you? Like, no. If you go union for wrestling, they're going to, the union will have the right, just like if you have a union and let's say you're trying to get the union into Walmart. Right. If you have that union, people have the right to vote on that union anytime they get a certain amount of people inside of a place of work, whether it's an iron union, whether it's uh, even Foxwoods has been hit by it, where they now have part of their staff is unionized when it comes to the cocktail waitresses, bartenders. Anywhere that they can get enough people to sign to cause a vote, they can actually try to drive the union in. Right. So it can affect literally any wrestling organization. If you have a wrestling union and you have a shop, you have now have a right to actually cause a vote, and it's a percentage of the people. Right. So if you technically are a small company like Impact that has, let's say, a third of the wrestlers that the WWE has under contract, it's actually easier to get a vote because you. it's easier to swing a percentage. So hypothetically, what you're saying is, even though not likely, like, but hypothetically, you could have enough votes, not enough votes in WWE, but enough votes in Impact, where Impact could deal with a union, and not WWE. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so there's really no test. So, so it could just be WWE, but that's not likely. Likely it's going to be... Yeah, because they would, because let me tell you something, they would vote on it, and if they don't have the right information, and they don't have the right statistics, and people, people could swing the vote the other way. WWE right. could go to them and go, hey, listen, we negotiated with your union, your um, money from pay-per-views going away. Your money from T-shirts t- are going away. Right. But hey, don't worry. We're going to cover that $150 a month in health insurance. 
Right, right. So it's a lot of X factors. There's no real guarantee with any of this stuff right now. So everybody who thinks the union's a good thing, it could be, but you don't know. Yeah, nobody thinks that health insurance and stuff is a bad thing. The right. problem is is that it's similar to a lot of things. You just go, hey, union, union, and people go, oh, yeah, it seems like a good idea, right. without actually understanding what the basis and what a union actually does. Well, on that note, Hopefully that'll answer some questions for oh, you. Yeah, go ahead. Well, wait a minute. One other thing. Yeah. The other thing that would be interesting on a union, if they were to unionize, it's a lot harder to let people go from a union. Right. So you might, you will see a lot less new talent and you will see a lot less of the old talent go. So that will affect a lot of the storylines in which you see in wrestling too. Because in a union, unless you have probable cause to get rid of somebody... You can't just let them go because, hey, I don't have a storyline this week. Also, too, one other thing, too, I'm thinking about, too. Wouldn't there have to be, like, a vote on a union, like, steward? Like, someone to be in charge? It does. Somebody yeah. would have to be the steward. Someone would have to be. So one of those wrestlers there would have to be the steward. He'd have to be in charge of a lot of the money and to say so, yeah. I, I would go with Seth Rollins. The guy <laughs> is the Monday Night Messiah. <laughs> on that note, one other thing I want to talk about you this week. I just found out about this. I don't know if you heard about it. The NXT UK Heritage Cup. Have you heard about this? No. What is it? All right. Well, first off, it's going to be a tournament. I'll get to the rules. That's the most fascinating part. But in the tournament, a kid, that's a wrestler, not a kid. I want to point that out for someone who doesn't know. He's a fantastic wrestler. Flash Morgan Webster, Noam Dar, Alexander Wolf, Dave the Mastiff there, the Bomber. Uh, Dave Mastiff, the Bomber, excuse me. I know <laughs> Yes, let me get that right. Trent Seven, Joseph Connors, and there's going to be a wild card. Here are the rules. All right, you'll appreciate this. A little old school. Six three-minute rounds. Two out of three falls. After a fall occurs, the round automatically ends. All right? So you can keep... If so, it could be a three-minute round, but if you pin them, or say you pin the opponent, then we're going to go to the next round. And there's a 20-minute second, there's a 20-second rest period in between rounds. If the fall, if the match, you know, ends after, like, all rounds, whoever has the most falls wins. So, obviously, if you only had one fall, you're the winner, you know. So, all right, okay. And if you get to, obviously, two wins, you're going to win anyway. Now, you can win the match by pinfall, submission, or countout, all right? And, you know, it's going to continue. However... If there's a DQ or you knock the opponent out, the match is automatically done. There's no more rounds. There's nothing. Either you've been disqualified and you're out of here or you've knocked the opponent out and there's no reason to continue. I'm looking, just double checking here. And I believe those are the only rules. Yes, those are the rules. So Heritage Cup, what do you think about that? You're going to be like a scoreboard here. Wow. Sounds fantastic. Can't wait. Uh, hopefully, the Marcus to Queenberry will be there. <laughs> I, I mean, it could be great. Right. It could be an absolute clusterfuck of a disaster. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, we remember the old school rules before with the rounds and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, in British wrestling was originally done in round in the round <laughs> system. Right. For years and years, it was done in the round system. I know that a lot of us, uh, our British wrestling, especially these days, goes back to basically watching progress for the last decade, and it's not done that way. But if you watched worldwide worldwide sports and stuff like that, and go back to the early 90s, 80s, even into early 2000, it was all done still in the round system. So, So I'm not surprised by that. I think it's fantastic. It's classic wrestling. Doing something different. 
Yeah, I'm sure there'll be some chicanery. I mean, it's a wild card. There's going to be a wild card in this. We don't know what that is yet to be to be determined. There'll be somebody. So yeah, let's hope for Joe Coffey. Oh, you know, it wouldn't be interesting. I'm sure it's probably not. I'm sure he's still under contract. But you know what would, would knock people on their ass if it was Pac? Absolutely, but he is under contract. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See. Plus, I don't see Pac ever wanting to work with the WWE again, to be honest. No, nah, I don't know. I don't, would, would he have worked with the UK system? I wonder. I don't know how that would have, you know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I, I, just find it, I just find it hard to believe. I do, too. Uh, I do, too. I but it would he be. Got, he got such a bad yeah. taste in his mouth the way he was leaving. I think that it would just be hard to. Yeah. We'll see. Um, speaking of progress, I watched some last night, and it's a little bit off topic of this. Yeah. But the old, I yeah. love the style that progress did or still does once they're able to reopen up basically going out there talking to the crowd beforehand basically does like a stand-up act with the crowd beforehand and then you get so much great wrestling afterwards i think last night had drag dragovich drago the um Ilya. yes dragonoff yeah dragonoff there you go that's how you say it he wrestled against timothy thatcher in the opening match and it was just off the hook right from the beginning. <laughs> and I love that style of wrestling. I like the way that it's presented. I like the fact that they keep the audiences between maybe 600 to 1,000 people. And yeah, I, I would love to, if we, this is a hypothetical. Uh-huh. If we were to ever start a wrestling promotion, I would love to actually do something in that style. I thought you were more of the uh, school of like the cinematic matches, like the tooth and nail match with Britt Baker and Big Swall. I thought I would see something like with a banana on your head or something like that. I always like more of an athletic base presentation myself. I didn't think you were in the same mindset. It's, it's weird. You said cinematic, but I thought I heard you said cancer of wrestling. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was more your cup of tea. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know me. I love a good graveyard bones match. <laughs> that was my favorite but one. <laughs> on this instance, yeah. <laughs> let's just say I'm a little bit more of the maybe Japanese strong style or if you want to go so far, the British um, strong style. All right. All right. Well, I think that's it. We covered the union and we talked about some NXT UK Heritage Cup. Hopefully we it's good. Straight, we went straight from the Union to the Union Jack. <laughs> you know, that's what we do here at the Work of Fans Podcast. You know, we give the people what they want. But yeah. on that note, we're out. Oh, by the way, speaking yeah. of things that the people want, you guys can't see him, but Dave shaved off his beard, looking like he's about 19 years old right uh, now, ladies. Well, we'll last. We'll last. <laughs> and winter's coming. That beard's got to come back. We're out. <laughs> Later, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Working Fans Podcast with Dave and AJ. And we are very lucky to have today a real, true veteran, a guy who's been around, one of my favorites, Dr. Tom Pritchard. Tom, how you doing, man? Doing great, guys. How about you? Oh, awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. We've been interviewing a lot of people with wrestling schools lately. We just got off the phone with Ricky Morton a little while ago. And uh, we had talked to Al Snow about a month ago. That was kind of one of the reasons why I want to have you on. I wanted to talk with your wrestling school and how it's going. And, you know, you've been training for a while, obviously. But, you know, what kind of caused this venture? Well, yeah, we, we've just been in business a year now. So going on year two, I think we're still trying to establish ourselves. And we've, we've got a lot of people sending applications in and wanting to, saying they're going to be there. But 
we'll just have to wait and see. I think anybody that's ever done a wrestling school is going to tell you the same thing. You don't really know how many people are serious about it or not. So, and it's a commitment. It really is a commitment. Ricky's got a hell of a school in Chuck, Tennessee. And he's got some, he's got a lot of kids there. So, but we're, we're in Knoxville and it's, it's one of those things that we've had people come from all over the country and find a cheaper living and kind of like this area. So, it's wrestling school, so you can have uh, serious people, and you can have people who, who want to try and do it and have fun with it, see how far they can go with it. And that's cool, too. So that's how we're doing, though. I think we had a pretty good first year. We've had some opportunities come along with guys that have to be extras on Raw. They've got booked some shows around here. So, and, and we've had guys like Seamus Edge, The Revival, Natalia, Sasha, I'm sorry, who else came by? You know what I mean? I mean right before yeah. WrestleMania especially. So, yeah, we've had a pretty good year so far. We're looking forward to it. A great 2020. I think one of the big things that people need to remember, and hopefully the people that are thinking about wrestling or in the future hoping to wrestle, when you pick a wrestling school, I trained in the early 90s, and it was a lot different when I trained in the early 90s because you would go and you would train for a month or six months, and then you were basically working out on the road. You guys have established trainers and superstars that are going to give these guys a leg up and an opportunity if they work their butts off to actually have legitimate chances. You don't want to go get trained by Joe Schmo down the street when you can get trained by Dr. Tom Pritchard who trained everybody from Kurt Angle to Edge to Christian and worked with all the superstars that you have seen over the last 20 years in the WWE and one of the biggest superstars in WWE history, Kane. Yeah, I mean, it, plus Knoxville's a pretty nice place to be. There you yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> All that added up for you, and if you really are serious about doing this, uh, you can try different schools, too, and I always tell people, you know, we may not be your cup of tea. Somebody else may, may do it for you, you know? So, it's, you have, I always like to say this, you have your way, I have my way, but the right way and the only way doesn't exist. That's a Nietzsche quote, but, but it fits. <laughs> because you can kind of fit it in any way you apply it or entertain it. There's, there's still some basic fundamentals and principles that don't go away. I mean, it's still basics and fundamentals. You're still going to block and tap. You're still trying to hit the ball over the fence. I mean, those things won't go away. So you can build on that. And without that, there ain't no other. And I think everybody agrees with that. Amen. Tom, I'm going to work a little backwards here. Well, usually we start at the beginning. We'll start at the beginning now. But the first time I saw you uh, when I was growing up watching wrestling was, I want to say USWA, maybe Continental. It was on ESPN, 4 o'clock. And I loved your ring style. It was funny. I, I said to myself, even as a kid, I was like, this guy's voice is familiar. And then come to find out that your brother played Brother Love. And that's how I was kind of like drawing these conclusions. But when I was looking you up a little bit just to see like some information I might not have known, I was surprised in my research, and you can correct this if it's wrong, you were trained by the Iron Sheik? Yes, I was trained by the Iron Sheik for about three, four weeks. A player in Houston, Texas, who thought, well, he could get into wrestling because that's easy money and he knows how to do all this stuff. And then some of his other friends have done it too. So he comes down to the Houston office, and I'm working in the office during the summertime. And Gary Hart would come in early to go over the matches with Paul Bosch, and he brought the Iron Sheik with him. At that time, he was working as Muhammad Farouk, but he was just getting it pretty good. But he was really good anyway. But yeah. so, but he was a shooter. And I always brought some workout gear with me, and Paul said, you can take him over to the Coliseum, and if you want to work out with him, go ahead. So I said, great. And we got in there, and the Iron Sheik stressed me, and the football player, second week, after the second week, the football player didn't come back, and Cosgrove come back like one more week after that. 
But he slapped me across the ear, stressed me, put me in a hole. I still don't know what it was. But that was the extent of Iron Sheik. And once he left the territory, Nick Kozak and a guy named Joe Mercer had a ring down by a record service. And this isn't around today either, I don't think. It could be, but I could be wrong. I mean, I don't know. Huh. But uh, Jim Parsons would drive his dump truck straight to wrestling practice after work. And we'd start wrestling about 6 and 10 o'clock there, too. So, but yeah, the Iron Sheik, Nick Kozak, and a guy named Joe Mercer. Dude, you ended up working for your, uh, maybe in a promotion with Judo Gene LaBelle and his brother for a little while? Well, yeah, yeah. That was the first full-time territory I went to. I was supposed to go to Oregon, but Gary Hart somehow maneuvered me into L.A., which was Mike LaBelle was a promoter, but Gene was there and still doing stuff back and forth. Uh, and I was there for about a year, wrestled Fujinami. <laughs> yeah, who remembers Fujinami? Oh, Fujinami was a little heavyweight champion. Came into Los Angeles, Olympic Auditorium at that time. was a famous building. Yeah. yeah, it was just a great time. Yeah, it was on the beach. You know, it was Los Angeles. It was Hollywood. You're right there. You worked with a lot of legit tough guys. Well, yeah, thank God I didn't have to, you know, really fight them. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, thank God. Yeah. The closest I did one time was try to go behind Mr. Wrestling 2 in Georgia. <laughs> and he went right behind, took me right down, and whispered, Miss, that's a good way to get you what your ass pinned, son. And I thought, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's the way those guys used to do it back then. Uh, oh, yeah. That's right. Well, well, in that Los Angeles territory, you would have also had the Guerreros in there, too, right? Mondo and Hector? Chavo and, Chavo. and Mondo were in there. Oh, there you uh, go. Yeah, Hector, I think, was somewhere else. But Chavo was a booker at that time. And right. then Chavo left shortly after I got in, and Tom Ernesto came in and booked. But, yeah, that's where I first met Chavo Yeah, I think that L.A. territory is one of the most underrated territories by some of the modern fans. I don't think they realize how much talent came through that area and the level of the wrestling. Well, I think you would have had to have a flavor for the for that kind of wrestling to have a flavor for the, an appreciation for who came through there. In other words, I don't know that John Tolis would, would translate today what he translated back then. Mm, At yeah, the, the same time, Greek. he had pretty blessed. They had this stage, and, and the Olympic Auditorium was a perfect building for it. And, and Los Angeles, California was a perfect place for it. You know, it just had that feel to it. And then in the 80s, it went really down. But yeah, you, you would have had to appreciate that style of wrestling. Yeah. And I don't know that anybody today can appreciate it unless... You'll, you'll know if you appreciate it. You'll know when you see it, if you go, man, and you, and you get it. You know, some kind of connection to it, but if you just look at it and go, I don't get it, then it doesn't matter who came through there. Well, and with guys like Freddie Blassie, um, a lot of us remember, obviously, Freddie Blassie, the end of his time on the on Earth, where he was an older gentleman, and we saw him as the manager, and then later on, they don't realize the star that he actually was, and the bloodbaths that followed him. Well, no. Yeah, they, they really don't, because it, it, it's from a different time, and a yeah. different era, and a different approach to the business. I mean... Everybody back then took a different approach to it, so. Absolutely. <laughs> Just to say, back to that basics and, and fundamentals of, you know, what are you trying to present in your business? And that's the way those guys always had it. You know, that's why they were big stars, because they weren't pretending they were actually being. That's interesting, because I was kind of thinking about this, too, when everybody were talking about, like, it's almost like a reflection of society. Everybody does these crazy acrobatic stuff, which... Obviously, it's athletically challenging, but nobody wants to take 
the slow down approach of learning the psychology and the maneuvers, which to me, it almost kind of reflects society, right? Like everything is fast paced now. Like everything is done in instance, like shows, uh, you can watch, you can watch eight shows in a day, you know, it just seems like that's kind of a reflection of where we are in life, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I sure do, because everything is moving fast and everything is moving to, to get your attention and keep you attracted or zoned in over here. So, I mean, yeah, everywhere we go, whether it's a restaurant or a TV show or whatever it may be, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a tricky thing. It really is. I just said, what do you do to get everybody's attention? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I was talking to a bunch of older fans, too. Uh, well, I say older, but we're all in our 30s and 40s. But, you know, we grew up on, like, watching shows on a weekly basis and, like, building towards this pay-per-view. And nowadays, a couple friends who are telling me, like, they don't even like to wait for a TV show. Like, we were watching... Uh, the Mandalorian, the Star Wars thing that came out on Disney Plus, and it would come out every week. And that was like one complaint was everybody had to wait a week to see the next episode. And I'm like, man, like I remember like growing up watching wrestling, like watching this build, like when Hogan and Savage, you know, it would take like a year, you know. Right, but you didn't you didn't have the internet, you didn't have all this stuff to keep you busy and occupied. True. You know, that was all you really had. Yeah. I mean it was a different it was a different time, different era. Yeah. In the in the world, and and what do you have to do now? It's it's global. Everything we do is instant. So I mean, right. yeah, it's, it's a tough gig, man. Yeah, it is. So now I'm going to bring it back to you and folks a little bit on your career, Tom. <laughs> I got to see you first in the CWF, and then also the USWA, like Dave, and. I give you credit all the time that a lot of people overlook sometimes, in my opinion. Everybody talks about guys like Ricky Morton for selling and what he was able to do in the ring. But I think people who didn't grow up in the South and didn't get to see a lot of that different style of wrestling might not be as familiar with what you were able to do in the ring. You were really, really good, even though obviously you had runs where... You did really well and were on top. You made other people look fantastic with your selling in the ring. Did you? Do you find that that's a little bit of a lost art now? I think just what's lost is being able to have that chance to go in there and have live like that. I mm. mean, it, it takes three people in a match to take your opponent, the referee, and you to make that whole thing happen. Mm. So I think it was just a southern style, and I kind of like that. I grew up in Texas. So, I mean, I don't know. I was happy working the Southern style. I mean, but you can't take anything away from that Ricky Morton, especially doing the Canadian Destroyer or whatever the hell they do. Oh, God. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah he scares me. Yeah, he, so, I mean, hey, that's, that's I'll, give, I'll give Ricky props for that, that's for sure. Yeah. Actually, that's kind of funny because the next time I had saw you was in WCW, but you were coming up from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. You were part of the uh, Heavenly Bodies at that point, I want to say, with Stan. And you guys had a run with the Rock and Roll Express. I think you may have even been on the Super Brawl pay-per-view. Is that right? I'm trying to think. I think, yeah, we were on Fall Brawl, I think. Okay. In City. Yeah. Yeah, but that was that was short-lived because I think, oh, uh, no, we can't go watch and Bill got fired. Oh, like, oh right. Or whatever. Yeah. So, that, yeah. So, that was a pretty... That could have been a pretty nice run, and it kind of turned into uh, what we did in WWE or WWF, and that was that was okay. But I, you know, I think Ricky would tell you the same thing. Maybe it just wasn't. I don't know. 
if they want to say Styles Clash, maybe that's it. We'll, we'll hang it on that. How about that? Okay. Styles Clash. I, pref sure. I prefer it in Smoky Mountain. You talk about, once again, that Southern style. You guys were able to tell that story there. The fans were all sitting on the edge of their seats. They were enjoying the shows. And what you guys were able to do, both with Stan and then later on with um, Jimmy Del Rey, what, in my opinion, was fantastic. And do you think that the Southern crowd just gets it a little bit more than maybe translating to the WWE style? Yeah, yeah, you could you could say it like that. I mean, they definitely get it a different way than the other guys get it because they want to enjoy their wrestling, and I appreciate that because you know these people still, even at this stage, there are some who kind of get that it's East Tennessee or Tennessee rest wrestling with Ron Wright, <laughs> Ron and Don Wright, kind of that Southern type stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think I think the I don't know. There's there's some there's some kids in still look at it and go, man, I just don't, don't get it. And they want to see the flip-flop and fly. So, but most of the Southern <laughs> crowds, they, they want to come in and yell and scream and, and get into it with boys. And, you know, the boys will yell back and then they'll go out and have a good old time. So, yeah, that's that was Southern wrestling, yeah. Now you were saying, too, like eventually you ended up being with Jimmy and you guys got to run from Smokey into the WF. And I, I remember a match you guys had with the Steiner brothers I really loved as a kid. I thought they did a great job working with you. Like, I thought the styles blended well. So it seemed like I saw a lot of you in tag team wrestling. Is there a particular favorite or maybe a couple favorite tag teams you really liked working with? As far as I was with? whether it be with Jimmy or Stan, but like a rivalry, maybe a, a matches you had as the Heavenly Bodies. Was there a particular team you loved working with? Always the Rock and Roll Express. Just, it, it was, that was, oh man, it was like night off every night. So, and even the Bruise Brothers at times, they, they, they I love Ron and Don both and they were good guys, but they knew they were big and sometimes they just wanted to be big and bullies and that, but, but they were doing it in that way like, you know it's coming, so get ready for it. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun with it sometimes. So, <laughs> no, that was kind of action. Even the Steiners were good. Yeah. So, uh, and that, yeah. I mean, I don't remember having, and the smoking guns. I mean, they were, Billy especially was so passionate. You could tell. And it, it was all pretty good. You had a brief run in ECW as well? I didn't see this. I was reading about it. Is that correct? Yeah, I worked with... Uh, I think we worked with, Jimmy and I worked with Bob wow. Enemy, and I worked with Candido there in a singles match, Chris Candido. Mm. We were, and I think we, Oh, I was wondering, like, uh, I didn't know, but it sounds like, what was what were those crowds like, comparatively? Like the Southern crowds? Right. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 they were they were a wrestling crowd, yeah. no matter what. They, yeah. they, they would tell you what they thought of you, honestly. Right. So they were a good wrestling crowd. Yeah, and that's... You know, I think you have those some places today. I'm, no, I know you have those some places today because you, you can see it, and there's a place for it, obviously. But how long? I mean, I don't know. How long will it go? Who knows? But the, the ECW crowd was, was there as long as ECW was, was going to be there. Yeah, it's funny, like, uh, you say that, too. I would say that, like, even, like, growing up, for me, for whatever reason, on TV, Chicago always translated to a really good crowd, no matter what promotion I was watching. Yeah, Chicago's got a good crowd. Chicago's got a good wrestling crowd for everybody there, I think. Even for Rise and girl stuff they have there, mm. and a lot of stuff. MLW there, great. Yeah, I'm so, yeah a, lot of, a lot of good stuff. I'm glad to actually hear you mention Rise. I think I'm a big believer in women's wrestling. I'm a firm believer that the level that we're seeing now is absolutely incredible. 
and I'm glad that they're getting opportunities. Have you had a chance to train any of the women wrestlers of today? No, I really haven't. Natty's come by, Beth has come by just to get in the ring and get some rust off. But no, not, nobody that's coming up in WWE or NXT today. We've had a couple girls come through JPWA that are way, always off, and they know that. So, but no, I really haven't. It's, again, come back around full circle, especially for the ladies. So, you know, <laughs> got away from real wrestling for a while, got away from some of the athleticism, I guess. Now they're coming back to it, which is great to see. Absolutely. I think sometimes they lose sight of the fact that it says wrestling on the marquee. So it's great to see the um, level that you're seeing both in NXT, places like AEW, now obviously with NWA being back and seeing more of a focus on the wrestling product in those organizations and in those places. Hard-hitting question for you. You went to the WWE after being a heavenly body and they came to you and they said, we're going to team you up with Chris Candido. We need to get rid of that hair. What was your reaction when they told you you were going to get rid of that gray hair? Well, at first I said, uh, no, I don't think so. And I said, okay. And that was it. And I said, oh, wait a minute. Let me think about this. Because it was, uh, yeah, uh, it was at a time when uh, I really, it was a different time. And I went ahead and it was Chris. And I was just willing to do what I had to do. And teamed with Chris and... Man, it was not a good time for me. No, okay. I don't think it was goofy, but but quite honestly, that's that was on me for uh, just saying yes, just not questioning, not even coming up with another idea. So hmm. now I do now I do have to be fair to both of you because. Whether the idea was bad or not, I think the two of you actually did make the most out of it in the sense that you guys still put on great matches out there with teams like the Smoking Guns, the Godwins, and stuff of that nature. Right, but I think that's, that's just part of being a pro and in the ring is when the only time you're really having a good time. Absolutely. I mean? right. No, I get that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so if you follow me on that, you're in the ring and... And we're all four trying to have a great match and do what we can do. But even then, we look the gimmick. Gimmick. Uh, yeah. That was horrible. It really did. It really did. Tammy was there. I mean, yeah. I don't want to go down that road, but I'm just saying it was. It was terrible. Al Snow said that too. He said he regrets not questioning enough stuff like back in the day. That's on him, right? Yeah. You know, I didn't want to make waves for. Whatever reason, but you have to make waves. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be successful, you have to be confident. You have to speak up. You have to trust your gut. You have to trust your instincts. Sometimes, sometimes you may be right. Sometimes you may be wrong. But you at least have to commit, and you've got to believe. Take a chance on yourself, and that's a big thing that I preach now. Especially, is you must have confidence if you believe you're a star, and you got to believe you're a star. I agree totally on that, and I think that applies for, like, any job, too. Like, I've been in places where I work and didn't want to make waves, and, yeah, it's okay. You can exist for a little while, but you're not going to excel. Right. It wasn't too long after that. You ended up at the WWE Dojo. You were a trainer. How was that transition? And beyond that, what was it like working with, when I look at the list, like, some all-star wrestlers like Kurt Angle, and we don't really take shots, but I know the guy's not in the business. But comparing to him to like maybe working like with a Brockus, like you had a lot of different type talent there. I guess is my point. So the transition and what was it like working with some of the best and maybe not some of the best. Well, he would have also worked with Brock Lesnar, also. When right, the transition turned out to be pretty cool. Actually, I mean, 
we got, I was, I was able to stay at Stanford. Uh, I was missing the road, yes, but I was still going on, on the road for TV and some other stuff, I think, like this, too, which was kind of cool. I was doing voiceovers at the same time, so it all kind of tied in. And when we started, it was just the three of us, Mark Henry, Brockus, and Brock, in the studio, in the, in the warehouse. And they used to hate us because we'd take bumps, and they'd have to shut down because the bumping would bleed through into the studios. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So they hated it. Yeah, but, but I mean, it, it actually it kind of it trans bigger and bigger, and then started sending guys to Memphis. Started sending guys, I believe, to uh, yeah, Memphis, and then it was Louisville and Cincinnati. So it kind of expanded, and then, you know, it, it, it evolved into what it was. So, but the transition was great, and working with guys like uh, Brockus was just as good, too, because he was really, he was a good-hearted guy, but... And, if, and I, I, there's an opportunity to go out and see if I can have a match. And it, it was what it was. <laughs> people want people can't do it. All right. Tom, like we were saying at the beginning, you got the wrestling school with Kane. Is there anything else? We're going to wrap this up here. So is there anything else you want to talk about with the school or promote? For all information, if you have anything you want to know about the JPWA, go to jpwrestlingacademy.com. You can Type us a question if you have it. Uh, go to Facebook too. I think it's Jacob Pritchard Wrestling Academy or just put it JPWA. All right, Tom. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, welcome back again for another week of the 531, our signature segment where we take a top five list on a particular subject, vote it down to a top three, and then debate, uh, we debate it, yeah, vote it down to a top three, debate it down to a top, I'm just going to fucking reread that, sorry, bud. (laughs) Oh, I lost my confidence in it. Welcome back, everybody, for another week of the 531, our signature segment, where we take a top five list on a particular subject, vote it down to a top three. That top three, we debate down to a top one. And that top one this week is going to be the top Florida wrestler. We are still going strong on the All Everything Entertainment Podcasting Network. Dave, who do you got for a first list this week? I got Mike Flynn. And actually, I never corrected him on this, but he's got Hulk Hogan. I don't think Hogan was technically born in Florida. So what I want to say he was, I want to say he's a Tampa guy. Find out. It's the music, Joey. <laughs> yeah, let's hit it another one of these buttons, see what it does. Ooh, fucking spooky. Like yeah, let's see. I don't think I've ever hit this purple one. Let me see what this does. Uh, Hogan was born in Augusta, Georgia, baby. Oh, wow. Okay, now that the crickets are done, I will give you Scott's list. He's got... Hold on. Oh, Hold shit. On. I, I just said, I said Mike Flynn. 
Pat Hogan, who was in Florida. I never read off the rest of his list. <laughs> I had a feeling, but I wasn't sure. I'm like, I'll just go through like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. All right. So Roman Reigns, Scott Hall, Robert Gibson. Robert Gibson, that's a good one. And Paul Hornbrook. Wow, that's quite a list. I think with this Florida list, there's going to be some guys that pop up that I'm like, I wouldn't have even thought Florida like takes Scott from Voluntown's list. He's got Mike Awesome, which I didn't know about Awesome being from Florida. Paul Orndorff, obviously. I've listened to MVP talk about being from Florida plenty times. And then he's got Billy Gunn and Mike Rotunda. You know what? Let's follow Scott's list with another great fan of the show. Randy Oscar, all right? He's got Mike Awesome. Big E, Roman Reigns, they're also MVP, but if you look at this real close, the way I wrote it, it looks like it could be mud, but it's not an MVP, and Ray Wyatt. Wow, that's a good list. Now, coming up next. What's that? I said MVP making two lists. Yeah, he's a, a big name from down there, and just, I think, like, one of those real modern representatives of being from Florida. Plus, he talks about it so much, it's hard not to forget. Now, Zach brought us a list, and he's getting disqualified on his top pick, Hogan. But we got Roman Reigns, Dean Malenko, Raven, and Missy Hyatt. I wonder why Missy Hyatt. Hold on a second there, Joey. Hold on a second there. I believe I gave you that list. All right? Uh, Yeah, you did. Hold on a second here. Uh, Hit the music, Joey. <laughs> All right, let's see. Fucking spooky. Okay. So, I think I said that to you in a weird way. So, at the end of this, I actually had time to correct that. I said one thing, technically Hogan wasn't born in Florida. I had to point that out to, I had that pointed out to me, so everyone else checked out. Which he replied with, oh, damn, hold on. And then he, so add this to what he said, Mike fucking awesome. Ooh, Mike Awesome, another good pick. And who do you have next coming up? I got AJ. We've got Mr. Wonderful. Ah, they call him Mr. Wonderful. Paul Horndorf, Ray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, Brutus the fucking Barber Beefcake, and the Alligator Man, the Skinner, Steve Kern. Ooh, wow, deep cut with Kern. I'll bring you my list next. It's the last list I've got, and it is Mike Awesome, Mike Rotunda, MVP. Mm. I fucked up and included Hogan as well, and <laughs> Paul Orndorff. Mike Rotunda, huh? That I'm looking at now. I want to make sure he is. I think you're right, but he should have probably been on more people's lists otherwise. I don't know. I'm feeling a little nervous knowing he went to Syracuse. I'm feeling like he's a New York guy that relocated to Florida. Well, that's why I'm... I'm wondering. I know he was a uh, a Syracuse graduate, but the kids are all from Florida, so I would think he's probably going to be there. But he was born. He was born in Florida, Joe. He checked out. So, St. Petersburg, my man. All yeah. right. I I have Paul Horndorf, or if you read my writings quickly, Paul London, not from Florida. So I have Paul Horndorf, Scott Hall. Billy Gunn, apparently he's from Florida, I hope. I wrote that down. Ray Wyatt and Mike Austin. Okay. So we've gone what through all... Yeah, I mean, I think Mike Awesome, what, made just about... He made a lot of lists. MVP made a lot of lists. Paul Orndorff. I Landorf. have Paul Orndorff on three lists here. 
Yeah, so we'll put Paul Lorndor first. Yep. MVP second. Sure. And who who do you see that's made the most list that would go in that number three spot? Besides Mike Austin, I'm seeing God, I see Roman Reigns on three lists and I see Bray Wyatt on a couple here. Bray Wyatt's on three lists as well. So man, I like Bray a little better than Roman, but uh, I guess Roman's probably more successful, so yeah, let's put Roman on. I mean, if we were to put it up on a debate between Reigns and Bray, I yeah. think people would enjoy Bray, but it's almost hard to kind of argue against the success that Reigns has had. So now our top three's got to be the most interesting top three we've had in a while. <laughs> Paul Orndorff, MVP, or Roman Reigns? Okay. First off, people know I'm not biased here. My favorite wrestler out of this group, well, it might be Paul. But currently, it's an MVP. MVP's getting bounced, man. He's a great guy. He's won the Intercontinental title with Japan, the U.S. title with WWE. He's successful. But I wouldn't put him on the same caliber as other two guys are mentioned. Wow, really? Because I was... Even though Orndorff's a classic name, maybe it's just because of recency bias. But, like, yeah. to me, it's between MVP and Roman Reigns. But when you talk I, about it... I guess true- what I'm, I'm going at is besides the fact that you know, order from a different era where he drew a ton of money with Hulk Hogan around the houses and stuff like that. Yeah. He also main evented the first WrestleMania, don't forget. That's true. And with the high caliber of main events that both him and Reigns have had overall, sadly, I think that is going to make MVP the first guy out, even though he made a lot of lists. And like you said, his current run's good. The Hurt business is almost like a revamped beatdown clan, and I'm really excited yeah, yeah. to see where it's going. Conversation I had on the 11:30 podcast, uh, 11:30 talk, 11:30 podcast talk wrestling a few weeks ago. Uh, Dre on wheels, huge fan of the Hurt Business. We both talk about this. It's like probably our favorite act on Monday. Yeah, and that was good to hear you guest on a, another show. We didn't talk about that in the past couple weeks, but we had our first guest appearance on another podcast, and Dave showed out huge. If you haven't listened to that 11:30 episode. 11.30 podcast talks wrestling. Go back and search for the man they call Dave. And him and Dre had a really good talk about wrestling. But yeah. now, back to the list we got in front of us. We got Orndorff and we got Reigns. And when you put it up between these two, even though Reigns would have been the one of the picks earlier, I just feel like once you talked about Orndorff's accomplishments and just knowing his place in the business when he was around... It almost feels like he's in a better spot than Reigns is. Reigns has more potential to grow, but Orndorff was on top for quite a while. Hard to say, though. One difference, you know, we're talking about Orndorff and MVP before. Yeah, I talked about that WrestleMania event, but with Roman Reigns, he has made a event at WrestleMania himself, and he's been the world champion, which is neither something neither of them have done. Ooh, so you're going to give it to Reigns over Orndorff? Uh, you know what? Besides the fact that him and Paul Heyman are the hottest act on SmackDown right now, yeah, baby. And yeah, it's it, uh, at the end of the day, whether it's popular or not. Yeah, I do think that Roman, you know, whether it's manufactured or in a different era, it's hard to compare the two eras, right? Because they're completely different eras. But I think Roman's got a lot of gas in the tank still, and he's already accomplished a lot. So yeah, I, I'd go with Roman. He ain't my favorite out of the two, but I'd go with him. All right. Well, Dave is cutting controversial opinions this week. And we're going to give Roman Reigns the top spot. 
I mean, Davis talked for a long time about how he's a Paul Orndorff fan, so you know this isn't easy for him. But guys, thank you for joining us for another week of the 531, and we are still kicking ass on the All Everything Entertainment Podcast Network. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 